Gift Biz Unwrapped, episode 291. I don't want to always talk business and shop. I want to know about you. I like to learn about people. I want to hear their story. Attention, gifters, bakers, crafters, and makers. Pursuing your dream can be fun. Whether you have an established business or are looking to start one now, you are in the right place. This is Gift Biz Unwrapped, helping you turn your skill into a flourishing business. Join us for an episode packed full of invaluable guidance, resources, and the support you need to grow your gift biz. Here is your host, gift biz gal, Sue Monheit. Hi there, it's Sue, and I am so thrilled that you're here with me today. As we continue this month of thankfulness and gratitude, I want to tell you how much you mean to me. I appreciate each note, email, and review I get telling me how this show has helped you either start or grow your business. So thank you, thank you for that. In a way, you're taking care of me by doing this action, encouraging me to keep going with the show, to find energy on those days when I'm just not as much into it. Are you surprised that I even say that? Look, I'm human like you. There are emotional ups and downs, and we just need to accept that that's part of being a business owner. It's just part of what we signed up for. But knowing that they happen and then dealing with them are two separate things. I've heard from a lot of you about the episode we did on managing stress. That was about three shows back, episode number 288 with KK. Given that feedback, I decided to build on the topic. So stay tuned. We have more on health, wellness, and mind work coming up. The best way not to miss it is to subscribe to the show on your favorite podcast app. What that does is then it automatically downloads the episodes for you so they're ready and waiting. One more announcement before we move on to the show. For the past three years, during holiday season, I put up posts in the Facebook group called Gift Biz Breeze, giving you an opportunity to show your products and to get sales from fellow breezers for your holiday gifting needs. This year, I've decided to enhance this. I've seen that you're already buying from others and reaching out to find collaborators for online and in-person sales shows. So I'm starting a free resource I'm calling the Buzz Book. Get it? Gift Biz Breeze? Buzz? (laughs) Where you can reach out to fellow makers for all sorts of activities. So that could be buying products for your own personal needs or for gifts, creating local networking meetups, and finding compatible product owners to run your own multi-product live shows. As I said, it's totally free, and the only requirements are that you run a business and are a member of The Breeze. You'll hear more about the group in the outro of the podcast, or just jump over to Facebook and search for Gift Biz Breeze to join, and all the details are there, ready and waiting for you. Moving on to the podcast this week, I have been trying to get Joyce on the show for what feels like forever. However, it's been worth the wait. You'll hear how Joyce had no intention of starting her own business, but how she followed some advice from others. And then she was bold and rode the wave, if you will. She's turned into a dynamo as a woman business owner, and she shares step by step how she's built her business. She also talks about the time when she almost wrapped it up. It wasn't because she didn't have sales coming in, which usually is the demise of most businesses. But she was at the point where her quality of life as a small business owner was leaving her unfulfilled. It just wasn't worth it. You'll find out what made her feel that way, what she did about it, and how she fell in love all over again with her business. Bold moves, brilliant thinking, and a bright future that can be yours, too. Today, I am so excited to bring you Joyce Arietta. Joyce is the owner of Joyce's Baskets, a full-service corporate and personal gifting company that specializes in Welcome to Florida gifts for conferences, conventions, and corporate functions or events. The mission at Joyce's Baskets is perfectly captured in their slogan, 
We make you look good. They have been designing gifts and gift baskets for almost 20 years and are located in bright and sunny Miami, Florida. Joyce is an award-winning designer and a certified gift designer who has been featured in many A-list publications, most recently Voyage MIA magazine in Southern Florida. Putting the needs of their customers first is Joyce's top priority as they seek to build meaningful relationships that will last forever. Joyce, welcome to the Gift Biz Unwrapped podcast. Thank you, Sue. I'm happy to be here. I'm just going to say we've been trying to get together and record this for maybe a year. Absolutely. (laughs) And finally. So this is a magical day. (laughs) Yes, it is. All right. Before we get started, you know what we do here. I have a motivational candle that has your name on it, and I need you to describe it for us. What does your motivational candle look like that really resonates with you, that gives us a little inside peek of who you are, Joyce? My candle would look, first of all, the color is purple because I think that's vibrant. I love purple. Purple gives me power. Ooh, purple gives you power. Yep, that's my mantra. Purple is my power. Ooh, I like it. Purple is associated with royalty and I don't know what else, but I like the power better. I like the double P. Purple is power. Yep. And you are powerful. That is for sure. (laughs) I know you are. I mean, I know you. We've known each other for how long? Years and years and years. Years and years and years. Absolutely. Yeah. And you radiate confidence and power and control and action. I mean, you're totally a woman on a mission. But let's go back. Were you always that way? You know, I think from the beginning, I was always a leader. Even when I was smaller, I would dominate my sisters and brothers because I was the youngest one. So I had to be forceful and make them hear me. Mm. So I think that started from the beginning of being a leader. But that had to have been in you innately because I think lots of times a younger child, like the youngest of all, takes a back seat to everybody else. They also get pampered. So there's good in that part too. Absolutely. But you naturally just took control. You want you spoke up because you wanted to be heard. Absolutely. And anything that I did, even with my parents and my siblings, we used to get into a lot of trouble. And then I would go there. A lot of times my father would have like a court case and they would say, okay, then bring the person up for trial here. And they would have me to speak on their behalf. A lot of times I made them lose. Ah, if I feel good, they won. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> oh, gosh. All right. So share with us a little bit about your journey into Joyce's Baskets. How did that all come about? Well, it came all about, well, really, it came like, I would say, I was in between looking for jobs. I was in banking for many, many years. And after the banking started having interstate banking and banks were coming in, buying up each other, my job was lost to a casualty. I call it a banker's casualty loss. And I never, ever thought of doing anything else except working in banking. My goal was to work 30 years, get a party and a watch. (laughs) nothing else that I wanted to go I wanted a man's gold pocket watch that was my goal not the ladies watch on the wrist there but a pocket watch so that didn't happen but so was your job just eliminated is that what you're saying everybody's job was eliminated back then mergers were not good at all right it was like devastating it was like an earthquake and I can tell you, it wasn't good. So I understand the parts of mergers that go on. I happen to see it firsthand and it wasn't good at all for anybody at all in the banking industry. When they say merger, you want to tremble because it's not a good thing. And so my job was due to a mer- of casual merger. So I worked around a little bit. I worked also in the retail industry. I worked at a major, major upscale clothing store, Saks Fifth Avenue in Bill Harbor. And I worked there for about 10 years. And so one day I was at, really by fluke, my nail tech at that time really started me on my journey because we were discussing different things. I was unhappy and I want to do something else. And she started throwing out ideals of different types of businesses that maybe would fit me. And so everyone that she threw out, I said, nope, I don't want to do that. Nope, nope, nope. And so finally she said, what about gift baskets? And so I said, what about them? I says, I don't know anything about gift baskets. I don't know how to design a gift basket. I don't know what goes on in them. And she says, you know what? Put some stuff in a basket and sell it. I'm like, is it that easy? She said, yeah. 
So what I did, she took me, we had a challenge. She says, I want you to create some flyers for Easter. And she says, bring them to the shop. I says, okay, I'll accept the challenge. I'll bring you 25 flyers. I will do maybe 10 Easter baskets and I'll see afterwards. Well, did the flyers, created the Easter baskets because it was all candy, had nothing in place, no business savvy at all. I wind up selling at the end of that Easter weekend, 101 Easter baskets. No way. And to this day, I have no idea whether I made any money or not. I just had fun running back and forth to the store, buying candy and creating them because when I would go out and take the deliveries to the people that had ordered and I had other deliveries in the car, people would come to my car and take them out and just hand me the money, whatever I said the cost of it was. And I was only selling them for $10. So that made me have to take that money, go back to the store and make more baskets for the people that had placed the order with me. So that went on that whole weekend. Okay, stop right here because I didn't know this story. For all the time that I've known you, I really haven't known the advancement of the business because we always talk about all the goodness that you're doing right now. Yeah. But what you did here, Joyce, is what I really, really try to talk to all people who are starting about. And that is validate that there's a market for your product. So look at you, almost no investment because 25 flyers, right? You probably weren't selling them at the best price. I'd say that. (laughs) But you were showing that there was a market and an interest in it. Now, granted, it was Easter and Easter is associated with baskets. So that made it a little bit easier. But without putting a lot of effort in, you started to get a feel for the business. And I love that mostly because you didn't spend a lot of time, effort, get a website up, delay action. You just did it. Yes, I did. So it's a great example. Okay, continue with the story. I just had to jump in with that because I just had to. (laughs) Okay, so the following Monday, I had a friend of mine call me up because we both go to the same nail tech. And so she told me, she says, I heard that you were selling bootleg gift baskets. Uh oh. Without a license. I'm like, what are you talking about? <laughs> she just told me to put some stuff in a basket and sell it. So she says, I'm just kidding with you. She says, but I need to know from you is this something that you think could work in your advantage and that you could build a business on? And so as the conversation progressed, I told her, I said, you know what? I enjoyed doing it. I said, I like the hustle and bustle of putting stuff together, putting it in a bag and rushing off. I said, it gave me a real adrenaline rush. And so she says, okay, then. So what are you saying? Is it yes or no? And so I says, I'm going to say yes. She says, okay, then right now, let's figure out a company's name for you. Let's get you all legal set up with your state so that you don't go around selling bootleg baskets. And I have to get off of my plane flight because she was a 747 pilot. I think one of the first ones or maybe within the first group of the 747 many years ago. And so she set me up with all the credentials that I needed. We came down with the name and my corporate name, the corporate filing name of that's my baskets is Joyce is something special. I really did not want to put my name in front of it. I wanted to name something special. So it was like a conversational piece. But when we checked, that name was taken at that time. And so I just put my name in front of it. So it became Joyce's something special at that time. And now I'm doing a DBA of Joyce's basket. So it all ties into it. But I had no special training, no knowledge. And after we did that, I came in at a time where I was fortunate enough that conventions were starting up. And so I went to my first convention within six months of having started my business. So I had to learn everything because I had absolutely no skills at all. No designing skills, no skills about operating a business or the education. And so that's where I started at the beginning of going to the different conventions and the different seminars that they were having. In the industry at that time, there were two prominent people that were having gift basket conventions, and I went to them both. And I took every class they had. I learned everything I could learn because it was like on-the-job training. Right. It was not no training ahead of time. You get a certificate and you go out there into the world. It was on-the-job training. Okay, Joyce, what year was that? That was in 2002. 
Okay, I want you right now to get up, step up onto a soapbox, okay, and speak for the gift basket industry because I think a lot of people, and we've talked about this, I used to have a gift basket business as well, as you know, and I think a lot of people are like, well, what's the big deal with gift baskets? You just get a bunch of stuff and you put it in a basket and you put some wrapping around it and you sell it. That's what you would think. Talk to us. Get on your soapbox and talk to us about the gift baskets and being a designer and how it's different and all the goodness that you're going to talk about. Well, it's not just putting stuff in a basket. It's more than that. It's design. It's technique. It's the quality of the products. It's the placement of the products. You have to have everything a certain way. It has to be uniform so that it is appealing when a customer looks at your gift baskets or whatever you're offering on your website or even in person when you do trade shows. It has to be appealing to draw them to you. So I had to learn colors, design, what goes with what does not go with that, what is colorful and what is not colorful. And it's all about what the client perceives, your customer perceives. Is that a beautiful basket or is it a nice box or is it just crap? I had to learn the different things. I had to learn how to really execute and examine what I'm doing. And it took me a while and I truly struggled to do these baskets. But for some strange reason, people still bought them. But I was struggling because I was new in the industry. I didn't know how to do certain things. So I had to be a fast learner and a quick learner because people were coming in buying from me. Were you saying that you were struggling because you weren't getting the baskets to look the way you wanted to? Because as you were just saying, first impression is so important and there's value in the visuals, which then allows you to get a good price for your baskets too. Absolutely. So I had to learn the visualization of this industry. And it's still an ongoing, continuous education because things change. Right. The old go out, the new go out, they bring back the old, but they bring the old back in with a twist. Right. So it's all different. So it's continuing education. Regardless of what industry that you're in, don't think that after a certain amount of time that you have made it and there's nothing else to learn because there's always something to learn in whatever industry that you're in. Right. And you want to keep relevant and you want to make sure that you're up on top of your game against any of your competitors. And just within yourself, knowing that you're doing the best you can, that you're putting out the best products that your company has to offer. That's right. And then also with the conferences, everything that you're learning, and this is similar for any industry, really, is how do you price things so that you're actually making money, right? Right. So you're taking different things that you're purchasing, merging them in, adding creativity and building it up. So the cost structure for gift baskets is different than lots of different other industries would be. Absolutely. Right. So you learn all of that also. It's not just all just the creative building. The creative part with me is that it came to me later. I was still struggling for a couple of years to get a basket that I thought was nice. Like I said, all the baskets sold that I was sending out. But I wanted to see how that I could take my level of knowledge and expertise and really train myself to make the best gift basket so that everyone that goes out, I'm proud of each and every one and that they look beautiful enough to ask the price that I'm asking. But again, that all comes in learning. Also, it's not only just making a beautiful basket. You have to know the business aspects of You have to know your daily business operating expenses that goes with having a business. It's not just making a basket and selling it. It's more than that. You got vendors. You got suppliers. You got marketing materials. You got networking events that you're going to, that's all a part of building your brand and building your business. It's not just making a gift basket and says, take it out there to the world. You had affirmations early on that this was working. And I love the fact that you were taking action and continuing to perfect along the way, right? Because you could have said, oh, I'm not ready yet to do the business. I have to practice the baskets. I have to make sure they're perfect. And then you're not making any money. So you got better by actually doing versus practicing. Absolutely. Like I said, I was thrown into it because people were buying it. And then also I had to up my game because what I had to offer on my website as far as pricing, people saw 
that I could do the work. And so now they want from a $50 basket, can I do a custom $200 basket? So I'm learning how to make the small ones, the mediums, the big ones, and now the custom made. So it was always, I felt like I was on roller skates and things were changing every minute, every minute. And I have to thank my customers also in the skill building for me that they were boosting me up to go higher and higher and higher and make better and better baskets. So you never said no. If someone asked you for something, you said yes, and then you figured out how to do it. I figured out how to do it. It was scary when I said yes and had to come back and figure it out. But one thing in business, and I definitely have to stress this here, I've heard people say, oh, I want a big business. I want a big order. I want this. I want that. But if you don't have the proper training and tools in place, that's going to fail. You have got to have that in place. And that's one thing that I was worried about because I really didn't understand if a big order came in, how could I finance it? I had to learn that I don't finance the business that's coming in. The customers are giving you either a down payment or they're paying it in full on big orders so that you're not stressing with having to spend money out of your pocket and then wait for payment to come in. So I had to learn that aspect of if a big order came in, what did I have to do? This is a really good point that we have never talked about on the show before. So I just want to stop right here for a second. It's partially specific to gift baskets, I guess I'd say, because what you're really saying is in the other way of doing it, you're not going to get paid until the baskets are delivered. But you have to buy all the product. You have to buy the baskets. If it's a really big order, pay people to come in and help you. You have to do all of that up front before you might get paid by the client. But it's become more typical within the gift basket industry, for sure, is you get the down payment that you're talking about, which for the most part, at least covers your cost. Yes. And that's really important. So it's something to think about for others. Now, wholesale, it's a little bit harder to do that. I'm thinking here, Joyce, of other people who might be listening who like get a huge order for candles and... They have to make all those candles and then place them. And sometimes you don't get paid for wholesale orders until a little bit later. But it's something to start thinking about and projecting how you will make plans for that earlier in the process versus later. Because when those opportunities come by, you want to use them. Absolutely. Or you want to take advantage of it. It's kind of like I would go back to the gift basket. So I'll ask you this is if you got an order for like a thousand pieces, it was due in two weeks, let's say. You probably have to bring in some people to help you. Absolutely. You have to bring, because you can't do it by yourself. You have to bring in people. Do you have people on a wait list, if you will, or kind of flex hours that you can pull in if you need to? I have the best employees in the world, I tell people, because all my employees are retired. So they can come on a whim or a wham. So that's the good part about my business, that I can call them and let them know I need them. Mm-hmm. And they're trained already. They're already trained. A lot of them have been with me a long, long time. And they're senior citizens, which I love to have. There's no drama. They know how to come in and work and they know how to come in and work on time. Oh, there's a concept. <laughs> That's a plus factor for me. In fact, when I was looking for employees in the beginning, after my business began to really take off, I was told I was at a networking And the lady told me, she says, why don't you go to the AARP office and see if they have people that have retired that don't want a full-time job, that don't want to work every day, just want to work enough to where I think $600 is the minimum after that. They would have to be on a 1099. You have to put them on payroll. So that started working out for me perfectly. And as them being senior citizens, I'm thinking to myself, I don't want to give them multitask. I don't want them to multitask anything. I want to find out who's good at what. And so for me, I found two ladies that are very good with doing my ribbon, making my ribbons. It says it helps them with their arthritis in their hand. So that's all they do during the Christmas season for me is make bowls, hundreds and hundreds of bowls. And do they have to make them in your office or can they make them at home? They can make them anywhere they want to, just as long as they're made. (laughs) There you go. (laughs) And made on time when you need them. And made on time. So that has been good for me to hire people that's flexible, that don't have a job, that don't have small kids and things like that. Because sometimes the hours here during the holiday season, sometimes they can go way into the midnight hours and the wee wee hours in the morning to get a project done and finish to go out for delivery in the truck the next day or the next couple of days. 
Okay, I want to keep asking you some questions about your business growth, okay? At what point did you put up a website? How many years in? I think I really put up a website like really within the first year. And websites back at that time, it was either hit or miss. But people at that time doing the networking events, they were asking for not so much as a website. They were asking, at that time, it was popular to have an email address. Do you have an email address? Do you have an email address? So popular back then was having an email address. But I wanted to because I am a gift designer and I do do gift baskets. I needed a website presence so that people can see what I have to offer and see my work and my style and my class of things of how I do. Right. So website to me was right away. And so that's what I did. I had a website up there that didn't have a shopping cart per se in the beginning. It was just a showcase of my baskets, more information of what I can do. Here's my email address and here's a phone number that you can call to place an order. But as business began to grow and I, my business began to evolve, then I said, you know what, I'm turning over. So now I have to have a website with a shopping cart, a working shopping cart. And so each stage of my business, and as my business began to grow, I began to change and adapt to what was needed for the business to continue to grow. And then when did social media start to play a role in your business? I want to say maybe 2000. Nine, ten, somewhere in there, maybe 11. Not so much as the social media aspect of it per se. I had my first Facebook account, I think, was I created that in 2009. But just to be able to have social groups, and it's different now because Facebook have everything, you have a Facebook group and you have this. Back then, you had private rooms that people that was in your industry was only in that room. It was an application that you had to go through and a process and all that. kind. So it's kind of neat because they knew, the administrator knew beforehand your intentions of coming into the group. So in the beginning, you used social media more for peer-to-peer support. And continued yes. learning versus getting visibility on your business. So you had the website for visibility for the business and people to buy and the groups for peer-to-peer support. Absolutely. And things that come up that you don't have the answer to, you're not quite sure that you could always post it to your group. Right. Okay. So we're going to leave that there for a minute because I'm coming back to that in a little bit. You'll know exactly what I'm talking about when we do that. But- How did you continue? Take yourself again, still back when you were in the beginning. So you continued getting that positive feedback that the baskets were being able to be sold. You were learning more. Your designing got better. Your pricing probably got better. And sourcing product at some point, I'm sure you stopped going to the local store and started purchasing wholesale. So all of that was evolving. But talk to me about how you continued to attract customers and got visibility to your business. Isn't this conversation so great with Joyce taking us step-by-step through how she built her business? We'll jump right back to her story right after a quick word from our sponsor. Yes, it's possible. Increase your sales without adding a single customer. How, you ask? By offering personalization with your products. Wrap a cake box with a ribbon saying, happy 30th birthday, Annie. Or add a special message and date to wedding or party favors for an extra meaningful touch. Where else can you get customization with a creatively spelled name or fine packaging that includes a saying whose meaning is known to a select two? Not only are customers willing to pay for these special touches, they'll tell their friends and word will spread about your company and products. You can create personalized ribbons and labels in seconds. Make just one or thousands without waiting weeks or having to spend money to order yards and yards. Print words in any language or font. Add logos, images, even photos. Perfect for branding or adding ingredient and flavor labels too. For more information, go to theribbonprintcompany.com. Okay, I decided to join my local chamber so that I can go out and introduce myself and my business and what I had to offer. So networking played a very, very big part in the beginning and still now to this day of me going out and introducing people to my business. And so I joined several local chambers. I networked with everyone that was in there. I played a part in doing different things, volunteering, being on the different boards, getting myself 
In other words, getting putting the spotlight on myself and then my business. Plus, if you see a person each time at the same place, at the same juncture, you get familiar with what they do. So you were joining multiple places, but then you were also very active. So that meant joining committees and then also showing up at the meetings. Absolutely. Joining committees, showing up at the meeting, coming early to events, seeing if I could help out and different things like that. So it all played a part. And that comes into your part of being, you're coming there for business, but also you want to help that chamber or whoever the organization, you want to be a part of it. You want to be a part of its success. And I wanted to be a part of the success aspect. If I was a part of a bigger picture, then I automatically knew that my business was going to be bigger and make a bigger success within me. Yeah, because people would know you then. They trust you. They like you. And it's also convenient. Because if you're in a committee and someone needs a gift and you're sitting right there, they could say to you, hey, Joyce, can you put something together for me? Blah, 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 right? Absolutely. And that's why I believe you have to really go and you have to meet people, not try to meet a bunch of people all in one day and grab a bunch of business cards. I believe in doing one-on-one, taking my time to know that person. So if I reached out to them, there's something in the conversation that they said that either I can put in the email and talk about it, or I can either discuss it over the phone, maybe something funny they said, or maybe something that they were looking for. And I always want to be a vessel that people come to me, not only for gift basket, but they may want something else. What does that mean? Something else? In other words, I had a lady call me when she was my client for a long, long time. She had all the gift baskets. She called me one day. She says, I need to know if you know of a funeral home that would do prearrangement plots. Now, how does that figure gift baskets prearranged funeral plots? And so I told her, I says, I don't know if anyone off the top of my head, give me 24 hours. I says, I know I've met somebody, there's somebody in my chamber that I've met that I can give you that information to. Is it all right if I pass your information on to them? And so she said, yes. And I had met a young lady that worked at a funeral service. She had been there for many, many years. We had had quite a few lunches together. We had seen each other out in the public. And I called her and I told her, I said, this lady is interested in prearranged funeral plots. And so she said the same thing that I'm thinking, how do you get a gift basket to, from a gift basket to a prearranged funeral plot? Seriously. Yeah. But the short of the story is, yes, she called her. Yes, she bought two plots for one for her and for her husband. So you end up being the conduit, if you will, between her need and then someone else's business. So you were able to pass on additional business, which is what networking really should be all about. And you get kind of positioned as the person who knows everybody. Yes. Go to Joyce for the resource because she knows. She'll have the answer. And I enjoy that because people do still call me from time to time. And even when people call me here and I can't help them, I'm not going to say no, I don't know. I have no idea. I hate when people say that. We were trained never to say, I have no idea. That's like you're sticking a knife in me. What do you do instead? It says, I don't have that answer, but let me get back with you on that. I'm going to see what I can find out. I'd rather say that. And I tried to find out. Because like I say, people have called me. They have maybe saw my website, won the basket. They wanted to hand, maybe local hand delivery. It was outside of my area. And when I asked them, when I found out where it's going to, and I tell them, I says, go back and Google, but put in the city name. I say, I know my company's name is going to pop up again, but there should be someone in that city that can help you. And a lot of times I've given out the name and the phone number of the gift basket company in that area that can help them. Beautiful. Okay. So in the beginning, Let's say on a scale of one to 10, I've never done this in a show before either, but so this will be interesting. How important was networking to you growing your business? 10 plus. Oh, okay. All right. Interesting. And what role does it play today? 10 plus, 10 plus. Again. Okay. Again, networking, 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 and networking. And people go, well, I'm networking and I don't have anything to show for it. Okay, how did you go out? Did you go out and give a person your card that says, call me, let's buy something? Or did you say, you know what, let's sit down and talk to see how we can help each other's business grow? Well, and you don't do it, just do it at the meetings either. You will suggest that you meet again for coffee, just one-on-one. Absolutely. Before the coronavirus hit so heavily here, I was scheduling what I call a coffee chat. And I had Starbucks as my different offices that I would go and meet the people and we'd have coffee. 
and we sat down and we talked and I really didn't say much about my business. I wanted to know more about how could I help them. Mm -hmm. That would in turn come back to you? Absolutely. And then they would say, well, tell me what, tell me, I know you do gift baskets, but tell me how will your gift basket benefit my company using them? And that's when I go to talking what we can help you do with, with our company gifts to grow your business. I was very successful before the coronavirus. I was very successful in doing that because it's a pleasant time. It's not all about business. It's not a salesy thing. We're not selling anything. And sometimes we find out that in talking, because I don't want to always talk business and shop. I want to know about you. I like to learn about people. I want to hear their story. And it's a difference. So before coronavirus, how many networking events would you be doing a week? And how many coffee chats would you be doing a week? Give us a feel for what that would look like in normal times. Normal times, I would do like maybe three coffee chats a week, scheduled coffee chats. And I would do maybe two networking events. Every single week? Every single week, that was always something to go. How many chambers are you with? Right now, I'm with two chambers. Okay. And so I try to participate in the different things that they have. I try to do that basically in the beginning because in my industry, it's hard for me to do that during the fourth quarter. Right, for sure. But then that's also when you can get a lot of business. Do you ever have anyone going to a chamber meeting on your behalf? I do. In fact, we're not going on my behalf. A lot of times if there's a, like we have a multifunction chamber network where they got five or six chambers that I want to meet a lot of people. I would take another very good friend of mine that's been friends with me for years from, me, from the beginning of my business and we'll come into the building and she'll go to the left side and I'll go to the right side and we'll work the room. Got it. But she knows what I'm looking for. She knows specific people that I'm looking for because I don't know. I just, everybody's not your customer. Okay. Expand on that. Some people are not your customer. They don't want what you have to sell. They don't want what you have to offer. In other words, they don't want that. They don't buy gift baskets. They don't buy gifts. They don't do anything like that. So why would you try to approach that person that told you, no, we don't buy any gifts. And you say a little bit more, you say a little bit, you can feel the energy from them that says, no, there's a stop sign that says no and stop. You have to be able to see that stop sign that says stop. It says, you know what? Wonderful meeting you here. Hope to see you at the next event. And you move on. Right. You don't keep trying to sell if you're getting the signals that they're not interested. But I also would think... You correct me if I'm wrong here. You don't then just brush them off as if they're a nobody because then that's like, oh, well, you can't give me business. You're no longer important. You can't do that at all. That to me is just unprofessional. Well, because they may know somebody. They may not need gift baskets, but somebody else might that they know. Yeah. And like a lot of people, they don't buy gift baskets from me. But I don't know if they buy gift baskets at all. But a lot of times I see that I'm the same person as I was before I tried to sell you. I'm going to always be that way, pleasant. Because like you said, you never know that person. may They may not buy any gifts at all, but they may know someone that does. Right. Okay, so let me expand on this a little bit. So how is networking working for you right now while we're still in the pandemic time? Well, I'm having to pivot with the networking events because now everything is virtual. So I'm having to make time to sit in front of a computer to do a virtual networking event. I had an event last month for my chamber. I missed the one from before. So I said, let me see how does this work. And I got to tell you, doing the virtual networking event, everybody was there. It was kind of nice. It was different and it was kind of nice. It also gave me some ideals and bringing me out of my comfort zone is that I can now send an email, create an appointment to have my client to do a virtual Zoom meeting to see what I have to offer for this holiday season that I'm going to be doing for them before they actually see it. And they can give me some information or give me some tips on how they want that they want this product or they want another product or just be instrumental. I'm thinking to myself, that's a win-win situation for me because now they're interacting with the gifts and actually seeing what's going in the boxes and in the baskets that they can choose from. Right. And it's really easy. There's no drive time. You don't have to schedule a meeting and go and bring options. And let's face it, everyone's comfortable with Zoom now. So that's wonderful. So you're saying like if there's somebody who is interested, they're a client, 
Now you just pop on a Zoom call and you can talk through the options and come to agreement. So I'm thinking that speeds up the sale. It truly does because I can give them an idea right here, right now of how this design is going to look for your clients. I can also have their ribbon if they want printed ribbon. I can also have that out as well. I can make a bow with it or tails or however they want to have it. And they have several options to look at. Says, okay, I want this in there or I want the other in there. And then also they can give us, and I tell them all the time, if you have any type of information that you want to go into your baskets, feel free to send them to me and they will be also incorporated into the design. Oh, love it. And you feel that that has helped you close more sales? Absolutely. When you make your customer a part of your designing team, they love that. Mm-hmm. That they had an actual hand in. I selected that popcorn over this popcorn, which I hate popcorn. That's another different story. But <laughs> I like this cookies over that cookies, and I like that color better than the other color. It will now give them choices. And it will help me to better understand them going forward, whether it's a new customer, whether it's an old customer, that I need to change how I've been doing my gifting designs for them. Right. For me, again, that's an education and learning. Well, here's some more education and learning. If you have any expired popcorn, send it my way. Because <laughs> <laughs> if you're not going to eat it, I will. <laughs> yeah, but I just have a thing with popcorn. Not favorable here. I have a thing with popcorn, too, and it's opposite of yours. <laughs> Okay, I want to circle back now to social media. I kind of put it on pause because I wanted to follow the flow of networking. Now let's go back and pretend we can network like we used to be able to do, that we are all hopeful we'll come back again very shortly. One of the biggest reasons last year I was so on your case, Joyce, about coming on the podcast is you are such a pro at Facebook Live events. Like when you're at a networking event, you just pop on your phone and you roll with it and it is a beautiful thing. So I want to talk with you and have you share the story of why you decided to start getting onto Facebook Live and then take us through, it's not been that long ago, so I know you can remember, how you approach an event. Like not you press this button, you press this button, but what you do with your lives. Okay, so let's start with when did you decide that you were going to start doing Facebook Live videos? It was really, I would say I had thought about it for quite a while. I wasn't sure if I wanted to do it. And I wasn't sure if it was going to be receptive because I didn't want to make a mistake. And I wanted the camera angle to be perfect. And I wanted everything to be perfect, perfect, perfect. And then after I had a thought to myself, I said, these are Facebook Lives. And I remember hearing you say this, whatever happens, happens. You have to go with the flow. And so then I took it from a networking aspect to a fun aspect with me doing a live. And I thought to myself, this is really more about me. I'm at a networking. I want all my friends and coworkers and family members and customers to see what I'm doing, that I'm out here in the, first of all, I'm out here in the community and that I'm showing them the different events that's around town and that I'm a part of. And then when I come out, I want to do something that was quirky and fun, definitely fun. So as I begin to do the one life, I begin to get more better and better and better with it. And so people began to know that I started doing the lives there. And so it was nice to pull them in to say a few words. So that made me so happy that even down to the chamber president, in fact, she told me the other day, she says, we missed the regular networking events. We miss you with the lives because that would give them a way to showcase the chamber and what we do, the different functions that will make someone in our area want to join. Absolutely. Yes. Because just saying that you're having a chamber event and someone said, oh, it was a nice event, but to actually see the event live and in person as it's going on, going to table to table to table, showing the food section if there's a band, showing people dancing, showing people talking at different booths and then going up talking with them. For me, I thought I was a cameraman. Well, you're the host with the camera, too. <laughs> yeah, you had to do both. So you're multifunctioning right there. Had to do both with them. <laughs> yeah. As I began to do them more, I began to enjoy them more. And people really, I would tag a few people once I put it up, you know, on my Facebook business page. And I would tag a few people that were in my friendship page on Facebook. 
And then they would put themselves, they would tag it because sometimes a lot of times they would be in the picture. And so their customers would see them out in the community, networking, mingling, seeing what's going on in the community with the chamber and how we can help. So that was a win for me. And that's really what I miss now. And you are a pro at that. So gift biz listeners, here's what she'd do. She'd be at a chamber event or the other ones I like, Joyce, were when, let's say, because of your corporate clients, maybe you were at an event at a hotel and the hotel was your client. So you're giving the hotel visibility and saying, we're here at such and such place because there's an event going on. I thought I'd just walk around and show you a behind the scenes of what's happening here. And so then she'd walk around, she'd go in or wherever she's going, she'd show everything she just said, like the food and the band if it's going, the flowers. And if it was connected with someone she knew, she could say, so-and-so business does these gorgeous flower arrangements. So who doesn't love that, that they're getting promoted? And then what you do, Joyce, which was so fun, is call people over. Oh, there she is right now. Maybe she'll come on live and chat with us for a minute. So you were then putting other people in the spotlight, too. And it was so natural, so comfortable, so entertaining. You have a gift for doing that. I wish we could send people to be able to look at them now, but we can't do them right now. In the future, hopefully that will come back. In the future, and then also that led me to be outside of my comfort zone because I'm thinking of doing a live in my shop here for the Christmas holidays showing what I have to offer. So it's going to be kind of scary because this time I'm going to be in front of the camera. Normally I'm behind the camera, but this time I'm going to be in front of the camera. So my first test is going to be next month with the chamber. They're having a virtual business trade show that I have signed up with. And so that's going to be interesting for me to have my table set up. I'm going to do it in the holiday spirit. I'm going to have different designs on the table. And so that's going to be something different. I've never done that before. And I'm kind of excited to see the outcome of it, the end result. You're going to do so great. Because think about it, you've been doing Facebook Lives before, and you have been in your Facebook Lives in front of the camera, right? You've had the camera facing on you, and then you flip it around. Plus, I think all of us, and I want to apply this back to our listeners too, we're all on Zoom nowadays. Like, we're so used to now seeing our faces in the camera and talking to a camera, and you're really just talking to other people, If you think of it that way, and it's just natural, and I'm so excited. We've been talking about this in our private calls, Joyce, about your event coming up. I'm so excited for it. I cannot wait. I think you are going to just absolutely nail it. I'm hoping to be the talk of the town. That's what I'm hoping. You already are the talk of the town, girlfriend. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. Okay. So all of this sounds great. You definitely, I know everyone is understanding that you are a powerhouse businesswoman, but tell us some time when things weren't working well, because I think it's important to round everything out that everything isn't all glorious and it doesn't always work out the way you want. Can you share with us a story of when that happened to you? Absolutely. I can share that story. In any business, regardless of what you're going to have ups and downs, In one instance, I had a client that was really, really difficult, that was just outright nasty. So verbally mean or? Yeah, verbally mean when she called up. And it was a hard decision and a hard pill for me to swallow because it was a lot of money that she was spending with me. And I understand you have to kind of deal with difficult customers at times. But after a while, you have to kind of say, Is this really worth all the stress that I'm going through? And it really had me not feeling good with my company and kind of second guessing what I needed to do in order to continue to make her happy. Were you not feeling good because she was just mean or was she critical of what you were doing? She was just mean and nasty. Just say it like that. Just mean and nasty. So anytime the phone rang and you saw that it was her, you were like, oh, no. She wouldn't do this to me, but she would do this to the people that answered the phone, my employees. Oh. And she would do that to my driver that went out and dropped things off. And she always wanted something additional. She always wanted to have my driver come and do something personal for her. And that's not what they're supposed to do and getting upset about it. Okay. So what did you do? 
after long consideration and talking with my financial person, I read an article that says sometimes you have to fire your best clients. And I read that article over and over and over. I must have read it over a hundred times, over and over again. As a percentage of your overall revenue at that time, how big a client was this? I would say 30, 35%. Oh, so very significant. Okay, that's important to know as you continue. Very significant. So that's why it had me on the fence. What do I do? I don't want my staff to say, I'm not answering the phone. If I have to deal with her, then I quit. Right. And I don't want to have to retrain anybody. So I had to make a real hard decision, really, really hard decision, but I wanted to keep a professional because her husband was a wonderful person, never had any problems with him. And when I came to the realization that I can't do this anymore because I've got knots in my stomach at night and I don't want her to think that she can come in and tell me, the owner of Joyce's Baskets, how to run my business. That's where I draw the line. I will not allow anybody to come in and tell me how to run my business. That's never going to happen. Okay, so what'd you do? Drink a lot of wine. (laughs) (laughs) And then I got a friend of mine that's a professional writer, and I said, I need to write a termination letter, but a very professional one, but I want to outline in a very nice way in bullet points why I am terminating this relationship. And that I thank her for all the wonderful years that she had been with me, but it would be best that we resolve this relationship and that she find another gift person to do a gift for her. How many years had you been putting up with her? Five years. Whoa. And that was really way too long. So I figured, I'm like, okay, let me get ready for a fight because I know she's going to have something to say. I sent a letter. I didn't do email. I sent a letter a certified return receipt. because I want to make sure that she got it. And so I thought she was going to call and give me a hard time, but she never did. Her husband called me and begged me tooth and nail, please take them back. I says, I can't do it. I says, I'm so sorry. And so once that letter went out and I got back a signature that she had signed for it, it looked like a thousand pounds that was on my shoulder was off. And I'm like, okay, I've just lost this chunk of change. Where in the universe am I going to get that back? And within, because I put that out, I told the universe, send me another client. But here's the stipulations. <laughs> Not just the client. <laughs> That's so funny. <laughs> I said, here's the stipulations. Send me the client that is deemed to love Joyce's baskets, Joyce Ariata, her staff, and anything that we do for them. And how did the universe do for you there? Less than 90 days later, I got a huge, huge contract that superseded what she was doing for me. Wow. And they loved everything that we did. It really was no fuss and no bother at all because it came from a referral of a referral of a referral. Someone whispered in this person's ear and told them about my company. That's amazing. What a story. I love that you asked the universe and then you put stipulations (laughs) on it. (laughs) I couldn't take another client. Like I just couldn't. So again, in business, you have to, it's hard knocks that you don't want to do. You don't want nothing to be hard. You want everything to be easy. And it's not always easy. And even in your finance, you may have where you're on top today financially. And then tomorrow, you're like saying, where can you find money? You put together a basket or buy supplies for whatever your business is. So when the good comes, you celebrate it. And when the bad comes, you hold your head down and you keep moving and find a solution to it. You keep going and going. You don't give up. You give out, but you don't give up. Right. But so in this situation, hindsight now What would you have done differently? This customer that's a problem starts doing business with you. What would you have done? If this happened now today, after all the learning that you have, what would you do? Oh, now I have more experience. I know the telltale signs immediately. She would have been gone. How? I would just say, you know what? I would have had a private conversation with her to try to come to some sort of agreement and let her know you're not going to talk to my staff this way. You're not going to even talk to me this way. You're not going to tell us how to design. You can give us suggestions, 
but you can't tell us something that you don't know anything about. Mm -hmm. Be real professional with them and real nice with them and polite and kind. But like I say, I can be lucky and say I've never ran across a client like that again. But, you know, this will happen. You know, that sometimes that you can do everything in your power to make that customer or client or whatever happy and they're still not happy. Right. They're never going to be happy. They're never going to be happy. You have to realize that they're never going to be happy with you or anything that you do for them. And it's such a drain on your business. But to drag on your morale, you're taking time with that client where you could replace them with someone who's going to add joy and you're going to like doing business with. But I think often, especially when we're starting, and if it was a large revenue client, it's like, oh my gosh, but I can't replace them. Like I'm going to put up with it because it's a lot of money. Yes, absolutely. And we have to get over that because like you said, you were at the point where you were wondering if you wanted to keep doing the business just because of this one client. Absolutely. I'm thinking to myself, how many more clients out there are like her? I'm like, oh my God, I can't, I can't take that. I can't take that. But like I said, I'm glad that I learned that lesson that I know the telltale signs to look at and it goes from experience, that I won't put myself in a position to have a client that way. And I think, too, it comes from communicating. Maybe back then, my communication skills to her was not good and that she thought that she could tell me what to do and I would be okay with it. And maybe she did in some instances and I went along with it. And so maybe I opened that door to Pandora's box, which I didn't know. Well, I think there's truth in that. We teach people how to treat us. That goes with personal relationships and business relationships. And my guess is that other people that she buys things from see the same way, the same behavior, the same way. But you don't need that in your wheelhouse. No, absolutely. And I saw her, I saw her about maybe three years ago at a gala function. And I walked up to her like we had been friends. Oh my God, how are you? It's been a long time since I've seen you. You're looking well. Enjoy the rest of the evening. And that's it. I'm never going to avoid someone that I see in a room. I'm not going to avoid you. We don't have any business dealings anymore, or we had a disagreement on words or whatever. We didn't see eye to eye. I'm going to always be me. I'm going to always be a human being. Right. And you can just virtually say this just isn't a fit. That's it. So that nobody has to feel bad. She's stuck trying to find someone to do her gorgeous baskets or whatever gift she's going to do. But as a business owner for all of us, we get to decide what we're doing. And it took me a while to learn that, too, because I kind of felt like, well, if they buy something online from me, they have to be a client. And I remember over on the ribbon print company, we had a similar situation at one point where there was someone who would buy product and it was pretty much at the time. And she'd order online, we'd fill the order, and then she'd return things because she decided she didn't like the color, like all these crazy reasons. And we finally had to do something similar to you. We just said, look, our colors are our colors. The printer prints the way it prints. Many people like it. If this is just not what you're looking for, then we're not a good fit. We're no longer going to be taking orders from you that are returnable. Like we didn't tell them we wouldn't take orders, but that are returnable unless the product's damaged, right? Yes. Do you know she's still a customer today now? I don't mean to say we set her in her place. It's just we weren't going to continue doing that round rabbit with her. Like, just we weren't. So figuring out how to work with people under your requirements as well, I guess. Right? Yes, absolutely. All right. So, Joyce, we know one thing that's coming up for you in the future, which is your upcoming chamber event. So excited about that. And I know you are going to just smash it out of the park. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. What do you see as you continue to grow and going into the next coming years? I see my company getting much, much bigger. I see myself doing things that I didn't have time to do in the community that I want to do because I was so busy building and building and rebuilding my business until I think for me, it's going to be a good aspect for me to get out, not as a networker, but as a community activist involvement in my community and different things that's going on that maybe I can lend a hand to or a voice to. Oh, I love that. On behalf of both yourself as a person, and of course, it, part of you is your business, too. Yes. 
on both. So I love that. And I know just because we work together in other ways, Gift Biz listeners, Joyce is part of my Makers MBA program. But I know that this year you really, it was before COVID, but I think you've still followed through with it, is you're focusing on larger clients now because you have the skills, you have the services, you are such a professional that you're focused already on attracting the customers that are going to allow you to do what you just talked about. Absolutely. And that comes with being in business for a while and learning. Mm -hmm. So now I figured, like I said, I have a plan. And like I said, my business model has changed because anybody that's in business, regardless of whether it's gifting or making your own items, after a while, being in business, you become stagnated. I know I did. And I'm like, I need to take this business to the next level so I can fall back in love with it. What do I have to do that? Ooh. And so I had to set down a plan for me. Okay, I need to maybe rebrand, refresh, rethink what I used to do, opposed to what I want to do now going into the 21st century and this new way of networking and marketing for customers. Do I want to change my style? Do I want to do a different style? Do I want to look at different styles? It says, okay, let me pick something A, B, C, maybe A, B, C, D, and E, and match it all together to become my new style, my new brand, my new way of thinking. So you were refreshing your brand and also what you're offering and just the whole structure. It's still the same core product for the most part. Yeah, just the structure is different and you have a different, you have to change your mindset. In order to do all these things that you want to do, your mindset has to change. You have to take it from the old way of thinking. I've done this for 40 years and I'm okay with that. Well, 40 years has passed. We're in a new era now. That doesn't work anymore. What are you going to do? Are you going to be sitting on the sidelines while other people are passing you by? Or you're going to jump in and march to your own beat. And so that's what I'm doing now. And I'm learning. This is a new learning for me. I'm excited because I'm always excited about learning new things. I like to absorb information like a sponge. I just love it. Learning and growing, challenging yourself, all of that. Absolutely. So for me, it's like all of this all into once. I'm going to ring. I'm going to unknown charters of life and I'm going to do it head on. I'm going to face it head on. Whatever comes up, come out. I want to be like a changing person, just change all around and be able to adapt to new situations, new surrounding, new things, and not to say, well, maybe that won't work for me because I'm used to doing it this way. Right. For sure. I don't want to have that old mindset. I want the new mindset to click in and says, okay, then we're going to do this this way. And if it don't work, we're going to do it another way. We're going to keep on doing it till it works. Mm -hmm. Well, I love that. I mean, your journey continues and I love the vision that you have for the future. It is awesome. And I'm so excited to watch you to continue to grow and grow and grow. And guess what, Joyce? Guess what? What? What is it? We did it. We have done it. We have gotten you recorded on the podcast. Yay! <laughs> now everyone gets to hear your story. And boy, did you deliver. Thank you so, so much, Joyce. I so appreciate you getting on. Oh, thank you. Oh, yay! Firing a client. Is it a radical act or the path of maintaining a healthy business? Something to think about if you ever encounter friction with a customer, like both Joyce and I described. A little behind-the-scenes peek here. There were moments in this show as I was running through the final edit where I literally broke out in laughter. Lori thought I was nuts because I had my headphones on, so she didn't have a clue what I was listening to. But I couldn't help it. Joyce is so full of energy, enthusiasm, and... You can't help but have a smile on your face when you're with her. If you've been around Joyce, you know what I mean. And if you haven't, I'm glad I got a chance to share her with you today. Next week, we're continuing our conversation about email, except in a different way. You already know, whether you're doing it or not, that you should have an email marketing plan. We'll be taking it the next step. And buckle up because it's a long one and it includes things that I had no idea about. And I'm guessing you don't either. Thanks so much for spending time with me today. If you'd like to show support for the podcast, please leave a rating and review. That means so much and helps the show to get seen by more makers. It's a way to pay it forward. 
And now, be safe and well, and I'll see you next week on the Gift Biz Unwrapped podcast. I want to make sure you're familiar with my free Facebook group called Gift Biz Breeze. It's a place where we all gather and are a community to support each other. I've got a really fun post in there that's my favorite of the week, I have to say, where I invite all of you to share what you're doing, to show pictures of your product, to show what you're working on for the week, to get reaction from other people, and just for fun, because we all get to see the wonderful products that everybody in the community is making my favorite post every single week, without doubt. Wait, what? Aren't you part of the group already? If not, make sure to jump over to Facebook and search for the group Gift Biz Breeze. Don't delay. Come join us in Gift Biz Breeze. Today, 